Father God, Lord, we just, I just pray that the words that I speak this morning would not be my words, but would be your words, your words for all of us here this morning, Lord God, that they would speak into our hearts and they would speak into the places where they need to be heard and that even as I speak them, Lord, you, you speak to me as well of what a great and wondrous God you are. Amen. So the parable we're looking at this morning, known as the parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector, is unique to Luke's gospel. This is the only, of the four gospels, this is the only one which records this parable of Jesus, which is interesting given that Luke is considered to be the, the Gospel of Luke is considered to be the Gospel to the Gentiles, the Gospel written to a broader audience, not, not to, say, specifically the Romans, you know, people from a Roman background who became Christians, but, or to the Jews, people who were Jews who came to believe in Jesus, but instead something that had a broader application and understanding. People from a non-Jewish background, but who were coming to grips with who Jesus was and the stories about him and the things that were was said to be about this, this man. So it's interesting that this is the only gospel where this story actually, actually occurs. And I think part of that is to do with the context in which it was written, the realities of the world in everyday life at that time. Most of the world in which Luke, who was a traveling companion of the Apostle Paul and the, uh, also the author of the book, book of Acts, most of the, uh, most of the world at that time was under the Roman yoke, but these were non-Romans who were basically occupied. So it wasn't just the Israel's, uh, Israelites, it wasn't just the Jewish peoples, it was whether people were from a Greek, Greek background, whether it was um, Egyptians, whether it was the other peoples of the Middle East, all of them were dealing with the reality of a, dom a dominant empire over the top of them, over the top of their culture, their traditions, their ways, informing their day-to-day -day life. And 
this parable is recorded by Luke in basically what is a, uh, a run, if it was, of parables of Jesus that are essentially answering questions to do with the Pharisees who were the, uh, shall we say, the, the righteous ones, the teachers of the Jewish faith, the, the people who, who showed what it was to, to live before the God of the, the God of the Israelites. And the question that was being asked was when the kingdom of God would come. And Jesus responded to the Pharisees, to their question, with a series of parables, which were uh, showing different facets of what the kingdom of God was and what it meant. And for non-Jews growing up with the reality of the the kingdom of Rome over the top of them. The idea of another kingdom and what that would mean and how that translated into their day-to-day life was a very real and persistent question. Now, even though we don't, um, <laughs> we don't always remember it these days, we, d- we too live in, a, live in a kingdom. We have a, uh, technically Australia is under the, uh, the rule of Queen Elizabeth, who's the Queen of England. And although we don't have the, uh, the pictures that some in our midst would remember growing up with in school or in places of business, things like that. The reality is that despite the egalitarian nature of our society, we still are living in a context where there is dominion from different aspects of life over us, whether it's the economic inequality that exists in our midst or the power that exists because of different levels of wealth, whether it's the cultural conflict and the constant battles for dominion and control over what what is right, what is wrong, and different voices, different places speaking into that. We're in the midst of different earthly kingdoms saying or proclaiming different messages to us. In this time, it was Rome, its emperors, its rulers saying, you know, the, the Roman peace is our blessing, but what we demand of you 
is that you'll bow before the emperor, you'll bow before the statues, you'll bring your offerings, the emperor will be the God and the peace will be the blessing poured out. In our time, different things are being offered to us in many different contexts. So, what this parable does is that Jesus challenges the conception of who the kingdom of God is for. And Jesus says that the kingdom of God is not for the righteous, it is for the humble who are then exalted. So, Jesus is telling this parable to the Pharisees. Luke says, he spoke this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and despised others. Now, Luke's already been talking about the Pharisees in, the gospel, in his gospel. The audience knows who the Pharisees are, but he wants to make it clear the heart position of the audience that Jesus is speaking to. And what he also does, what this does is when he reports Jesus' words, it puts into stark relief who is who in this story. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. So the audience understand who the Pharisees are. They also understand who the tax collectors are. The tax collectors aren't people working for the Australian tax office, just people on a salary making sure the laws of the land are followed. The tax collectors, whether for in Israel or any other territory in the Roman Empire, are people, so basically what happens, a wealthy man, someone of means and influence, basically buys from the Roman Senate or the, the overseers of the Roman territory the right to collect ta taxes in that area. So they'll give them the sum of money that Rome believes they should receive from this place and then they have the right to collect all the taxes and duties that are due in that place. In turn, they then gather people under them to go and collect these taxes. They essentially are what's known as a tax farmer. They, they basically employ people to go and take the taxes and they make their money through what they can collect above what they paid to Rome. So the more they collect, the more they make. So it becomes <laughs> a system that is rife 
for abuse because basically the more you get from these people, you've fixed your, the amount that you have to pay to Rome and if you get as much as you can from there, from these people, anything above what you've paid to Rome is profit. So whether you were Jewish, whether you were Gentile, the tax collector was generally not someone you were going to esteem. They were someone who was more likely to extort you than to uh, just collect their just due. On top of this, the local tax collector was very often a member of your own people. Matthew, one of the 12 apostles was described as a tax collector and he was a he was a Jew for the Jews tax collectors were considered among the least righteous people imaginable they were there with prostitutes they were they were the lowest of the low now the advantage they had was they had money and they had the might of Rome behind them but they were considered both sinners and collaborators with the ruling power that was imposed over them. So it was hard to get much worse than a tax collector and in this story, Jesus puts it into stark relief because you have a Pharisee, you have one of the people who knew the, not just the scriptures, but they knew the interpretations of the rabbis and the scribes who gave teachings on the scriptures and what they all meant and the right way to keep yourself pure and holy and he stood there and he was saying Lord look at me look at me you know look at who I am I'm here you know I'm not like you know he and so basically the way the temple was arranged where they went to pray, they were, they were diff when it wasn't being used for worship and sacrifice, people could come in and pray privately. And he stood off to him by himself because he didn't stand polluted by the other people who were not clean. It's like, Lord, look, I'm not an extortioner. I'm not unjust. I'm not like this tax collector. Look at me. Look at what I do. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all I possess. You know when, maybe it's because I'm an accountant, but when I read that, I'm kind of like, wow. <laughs> um, one of the questions we and maybe it's only because I'm an accountant that this interests me. 
but if you're a Christian, you own a business, do you give to the Lord from the profit you make in your business or do you give to the Lord out of all the money that comes in? You know, and what if you, you know, what if you have $100 of revenue, you give God $10, but it costs $95 to actually get that $100 of revenue, you know, suddenly you've made a loss. And maybe that's a little bit esoteric, but this guy, this Pharisee, he's answered the question. He gives tithes of all he possesses. He knows the answer. He's right. He's straight before the Lord. He'll come into that temple, stand there apart from everyone else and be like, here I am, Lord. I'm good. And yet, clear from the way this story's been told and from Jesus' words that this isn't the point. He's standing there in his own strength and he's not getting it. In fact, in one of the other Gospels, Jesus goes so far as to speak to this kind of behavior and kind of thought, (laughs) probably convicting me (laughs) for the question I just asked or admitted to wondering about. He goes, he says in the Gospel of Matthew, woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, For you pay tithe of mint and anise and cumin and have neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice and mercy and faith. These you ought to have done without leaving the others undone. Blind guides who strain out a gnat and swallow a camel. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, you hypocrites, for you cleanse the outside of the cup and dish, but inside they are full of extortion and self-indulgence. Blind Pharisee, first cleanse the inside of the cup and the dish, that the outside of them may be clean also. Somehow, this Pharisee standing there, this man standing there, having it all figured out, knowing the answers knowing their worth to stand before God, somehow they're missing the point. And Jesus says that that same tax collector who the Pharisee is looking down upon, who, let's be real, for whatever reason, has ended up 
choosing to do something that puts him completely apart from his people, from his fellow Israelites, who has chosen something that has him collaborating with power, that has him basically bowing down to the enemy. Somehow this man who stands afar off, so he's standing at the back, he's not, he's not coming into the prominent part of the temple, he's not being visible, he doesn't want to be visible. Somehow him standing there and he's can't even lift up his eyes, he's looking down and he just beats his breast. God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Somehow, that's better. Somehow, the way that the people who studied and immersed themselves in the things of God and asked all these high and weighty questions and wondered about things like, is it about the revenue <laughs> or is it about the profit? <laughs> Have I tied the right amount? Somehow they've missed it. Because Jesus says that this man went to his, this tax collector went to his house justified rather than this other, rather than the Pharisee. I think what Jesus is telling us is that we need to recognize that our righteousness, my righteousness, your righteousness, what we display when we are together worshipping, it isn't about other people. It's not even about us. It's about God. It's about Him and who he is. And even before Jesus came, the Old Testament was full of God telling his people this thing, this very thing. In the book of Proverbs, To do righteousness and justice is more acceptable to the Lord than sacrifice. In the book of Isaiah, I, the Lord, love justice. I hate robbery and wrong. I give them their recompense and make an everlasting covenant with them. And in the book of Micah, the Lord has shown you, O mortal, what is good. What does he require of you? 
but to do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God. To walk humbly. What does that mean? What does that mean for us here today? What does that look like for us to bless the people around us, to bless the person next to us in church this morning, to bless the community that we have a church in, to bless the the people around us in our neighbourhoods, What does that look like when, like these Pharisees, it can seem like the Christian walk is caught up in questions of <laughs> right and wrong, and how can we, how can we be, how can we be clean? How can we not be on the edge? How can we still be fit to go into the temple? And, you know, what Luke's recording here, I think, is that Jesus is saying, is our response to our lives, is our response to our world, is our response to our situation, whatever it may be, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I wonder what... The first time I ever heard this parable, I wasn't a Christian. I was a 15-year-old going to a Catholic school and... I had not, honestly did not know when they gave you the pamphlet when you came into church, and I went to church every Sunday with my mom. When they gave you the pamphlet, and it had a reading, a reading, and a gospel. So it had an Old Testament reading, a letter of Paul, and then a gospel reading. I didn't even know those were from the Bible. Like, I somehow had gone through my life without any understanding of what the Bible was, what the Bible was for, what it meant, what it signified. And we had a, so I was at a Catholic high school and we had a drama class. And, or a drama, the drama class put on a presentation during assembly. And they had two guys get up and act out this play. One dude with short hair in a suit playing the Pharisee. Another dude who had long hair, well, as long as hair as you could get away with at a Catholic school, being the tax collector. And I actually remember thinking, wow, that 
that's pretty cool. That's pretty awesome. But what is that humbling yourself? What does that mean? And I mean, I didn't know anything of God and I didn't even know that I had any interest in the things of God really. So years went by until by God's grace, I actually came to know him and to call him my Lord and Savior. But even having done that and walked with him all these now many years, when I read this passage, I still wonder, what does that mean to humble myself? I mean, I don't know where, what condition you come into church today, where you're at in your life, but there's times when I come in and I'm going through some stuff, you know, and it can be with other people, it can be just with who I am as a person, living with God, or it can just be the nature of this crazy world we live in. But when Jesus is saying, everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted, I still wonder what that humbling yourself means. But in reading through Luke, one of the interesting things, and again, this is the only place this parable is recorded in the Bible, out of all the Gospels, only here. But Luke places it before another, not a parable, but a story, an actual happening that is recorded in other parts of Scripture. Jesus blessing little children. They also brought infants to Jesus that he might touch them. But when the disciples saw it, they rebuked them. But Jesus called to them and said, Let the little children come to me and do not forbid them, for of such is the kingdom of God. Assuredly, I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God as a little child will by no means enter it. I don't think things with regard to the Bible happen by accident. Luke records this parable here in the midst of a series of parables seek answering to the Pharisees who asked him, but more so to us and the people of that time who heard it, who read it, what is the kingdom of God about? And he cho chooses to put this parable here before this event 
this act and be our humility for this place for us to stand will this congregation be a place where sinners stand and ask for God's mercy and where even the most righteous among us even the ones that we all look to and honour and admire and who God puts over us will receive the kingdom as children, not as conquerors, not as those who dominate others, those who shout the loudest, those who have the most money or power or influence, but as little children who put their trust in a father, little children who come with nothing but empty hands and hearts that need love and need to receive from a God who is only too eager to exalt us. 